0: You're listening to a River Life Fellowship message. We hope this message encourages you and enriches your life. For more information about us, visit us at RiverLifeFellowship.com. Hearing God's voice—that's what we're talking about this morning. And uh, so, I really want—you know—I've been talking about that whenever I've been speaking. It's been a while, but if you remember the last time I gave a message on how what not to do with the Bible, does anybody remember that message? What it was it, angel? Don't study the Bible. That's right. The Bible does not tell us to study it. If you study the Bible, you're doing something you weren't told to do. The Bible says meditate on the Bible, which means reason with God. If you study the Bible apart from God, you're in trouble because you can only get natural information. And the Bible says, it's the spirit that quickens, the flesh profits nothing what the Bible says, so anything you get from the natural perspective, according to the Bible, profits you nothing, from. I'm talking about spiritual things, okay, so today I want to talk to you about how God speaks to us about the future, okay, uh, one of the ways he speaks to us about the future, okay, because I believe God wants to talk to us about the future this morning and um, so let's just uh read i'm gonna read John fourteen one through two this is a future futuristic verse let your let not your heart be troubled that's futuristic, and that's now, okay you believe in God, believe also in me in my father's house are many mansions. if it were not so i have i would have told you I go to prepare a place for you, and I'm not talking about heaven right now, I'm talking about uh, I was thinking, uh, last year, right about this time, God really began to deal with my heart and bring me into a greater revelation of Him as Father, as our Heavenly Father, and um, it, you know that was like a three or three or four month process that God took me through, which really was one of the great one of the great revelations of my life, uh, what God did in me, and that's really where this vision for the Father's House came from. In fact, that's where I got the word "Father's House" was was right there in verse two, "Father's House," and that really is the assignment that God has given us, and um, and that that revelation has really brought more healing, and more peace, and more joy into my life than than most revelations. If I could take, them, it's definitely in my top five things that God's done in my life as a Christian. Of course, getting saved is pretty serious, pretty you know the first one for sure, but. You know, Revelation of Grace is another another major one, but that has really had a major impact on my life in the last year. It really has. It's really changed me completely. Changed how I view people, changed how I view the world, changed how I view church, changed my whole everything. has been changed. Uh, so that, that's been a, a tremendous thing for me. Um, one of the things, I, you know, it says, in my Father's house are many mansions or many dwelling places. Of course, we know that ultimately... The dwelling places are us individually. Um, that's why what Jesus was talking about—the ultimate revelation of, of God's dwelling place is God lives in human beings, and you know we're His temple, and He's put us on the earth to express heaven. I mean, that's that's the ultimate. And then there's these corporate expressions that God wants to release. And I believe when the Lord returns to the earth, He's going to find many. Pla- there's going to be many places where the glory of God. Is on the earth. There's going to be, and I don't think every place is going to be like that. I don't think every church is going to be like that. I think it's going to be people who make a choice in their heart to be that. Uh, churches that make a choice in their heart to be that, to be a place where God's glory resides and people can actually come to that place, physical place, or come to that physical person and get touched by God. Because the world is going to be in such a mess because Jesus. He began this whole chapter, and this is a profound chapter in the Bible. Uh, He began it by these words, Don't let your heart be troubled. And if he was saying that, he was saying it because there were things in the world and things in life that's going to cause us to be troubled. We're going to be tempted to be troubled. That was troubling news to me, this summit they were having. Especially when um, I was reading this one thing where six out of eight times where Condoleezza Rice went to Israel and tried to talk to them about giving away land, the FEMA, FEMA, which is, you know, the Federal Emergency Management Association, had to be activated six out of eight times after those meetings in the United States. That means six out of eight times some catastrophe happened in the United States because of something our leaders did that they shouldn't be doing. And maybe the other two, some praying souls (laughs) averted it and so that was a big victory to, for them to back away from that because I think we escaped something, at least momentarily. Um, so, you know, we are living in troubled times, and I think that's really what we need to, to realize is we're living in troubled times, and, and, and if you study the history of the United States, what you're going to find is there's been these different moves of God that has happened, and then there was something awful that happened in our nation. Over and over, you see that in our history. And so, I think what God's been trying to do in our church when He has been pouring the Holy Spirit out has is, is been wonderful in one sense, but on another sense, it's prophetic that there's things coming down the pike for us as a nation that we really have to pay attention to, that's, that's going to be troubling to us. And God really wants to prepare a people that will not be swept away in the trouble like the rest of the world. Amen. This sounds sort of like a bad message, doesn't it? <laughs> Father's house, I thought that was something good. It is. Um, you know, so last year, the Lord was really speaking to me about the Father in His heart, and He continues to. But this year, I have felt the Lord saying this to me. is is, is really, He has said to me, Byron, you can never, and, and you don't never enough welcome the Holy Spirit's presence in your life. You will never get to the point where you have enough of His presence and enough of the manifestation, let me say that word, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. I know that makes people nervous, that pushes buttons for people on some level, but we need to realize that we need the Holy Spirit desperately, desperately, and what we have experienced as Christians to this moment, no matter how much of the Holy Spirit you've experienced, we have not experienced Him enough, period. Period. And you read the book of Acts, you'll find those guys con- continually pursuing uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit And because the Holy Spirit really is everything for us on this earth. He is it. And Because within the realm of the Holy Spirit, there's everything that God has for us. So if we discount the Holy Spirit on any level, we are in serious. In fact, you know, Jesus said that was one sin you can't get away with. And I can see why. So we have a precious gift of the Holy Spirit has been given to us. And we really need to cultivate that gift and count that gift as precious and the most highly valued thing that we have personally and as a church. That's what the Lord's been saying to me, is you need to value the Holy Spirit more. You need to value what well, I'm doing more. Don't back away from what I'm doing. Go after it. It doesn't matter if it makes people nervous. Because the truth is is you can this is I've noticed this. You can talk about the Father. And you can talk about the Son a lot, but when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, the daggone buttons are pushing people. The religious spirits get all activated when you begin speaking about the Holy Spirit. It's the truth more so than when you speak about Jesus Christ and the, the Heavenly Father. That Holy Spirit activates religious spirits because the enemy knows that he can stop us from receiving more of the Holy Spirit's activity, more of the Holy Spirit's manifestations in our life, then we're stopped. Amen. The Holy Spirit brings the grace of Jesus Christ into our life. He brings the love of the Father into our life. And without Him, those things do not come to us. He transmits them. Jesus called Him the the promise of the Father. The, not a, the. If you had something you were giving your kid and said, this is the thing I want you to have for your life more than anything else, you would say it's the not one of many things. I'm going to give you a lot of presents. No, this is the present I want you to have. So, I think that's really what the Lord's saying, is the, the river of God, which is the Holy Spirit. Don't dismiss this river of God, folks. I'm willing to go down and, fl- honestly, I'm willing to go down fighting over it. Because that river came out of, out of Jesus' sight. That's where it came from. It, when he was pierced. That river came out of this. I, to dismiss that, to not embrace that, is, is to me, is unexcusable for a Christian. Now, I'm just being straight with you. And also, the Bible says it came from the throne of God, meaning that's what God is saying. I'm the, you know, the, the the King is saying this is what I have for you. I think we have to make decisions about this as a church. I really do. This is serious. What I'm talking to you about. Revelations 22, 1 and 2, that's what it says. It came from the throne. It's of the Lamb, the river. The river is the Holy Spirit being poured out into the earth. That's what it is. So when we use that term, river, really what we're talking that's a name for the Holy Spirit. I had a dream last night. In this dream, the United States had went through a catastrophe. (laughs) And they (laughs) appointed me to be the person in charge of fresh water for this nation. I was thinking, I want to be in charge of the fresh water. Why are y'all making me do this? I want to do something spiritual. That's what I was telling them in the dream. No, I really don't want to have to mess with water. I want to mess with something spiritual. You know, dreams are real symbolic. Anyways, on May the 5th, 2006, are y'all okay? I'm not trying to be, be, I don't want to try to be heavy, but I want to be real here because I feel something from the Lord. On May the 5th, 2006, that was a year, It was 18 months ago, there was a man named Graham Cook. Somebody gave me a a message by Graham Cook. He was a preacher from England. And they gave me this. So I was driving to Wilmington and I was listening to this message by Graham Cook. And Graham Cook made this statement in this message. You know, and it was a good message. I don't remember what all he was saying in it right now, but I remember two things he said in it. And he said this, A quickening spirit is being released that will accelerate us into where we should be. Okay, let me read that one more time. A quickening spirit is being released that will accelerate us into where we should be. And when, when I heard that, I hit the pause button on that CD and said, Lord, I have never heard of such of a thing. But that's what I want I want to be Because accept- i would never heard the term acceleration used in the spiritual sense. You know? I mean, acceleration is a physics term. You know, force equals mass times acceleration. Everybody knows that, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in other words, if Marlon Maguzu comes flying at me, that's force, and how fast he's running, <laughs> you know, his mass, thats the, the mass of him and the acceleration of him, that's the force he's going to hit me with and knock me down. I had a guy tell me that one time, explaining to me why his kid was getting killed in soccer. A <laughs> rugby match yesterday. But I said, Lord, I want that. I want that. I want to be accelerated. Okay? That's what I want. Give me that. I felt like I needed it in my life. Well, when the Lord began to move in October of 2006, a few months later the Lord spoke to me this is the first thing he said to me about what he was doing you're not where you're supposed to be as a church and I am accelerating you to get you from here to here quicker than you normally would in a normal situation normal time that was acceleration and see God had really answered my prayer really the prayer he put in my heart he put that in my heart to pray that and he, he, he began to do it he began to accelerate us are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He began to accelerate us. That guy had a word that was a real word, a quickening spirit that will accelerate and get you from where you're at to where you need to be quicker. And a lot of people have really been accelerated greatly. And um, I'd for, sort of forgotten about that word until this week. I was, I was sitting in my office there and a guy who on that same day when I was listening to this message, I had called him. He had been coming sort of in and out of the church and he sort of disappeared. I called him and left him on the message on his phone and said, what? Did you die or something? I hadn't seen you in months. And uh, he called me back that right after I had listened to this message. That's why I put this all together, because he come walking in the church the other day. It's the first time I've seen him cause since that day. I said, Byron, I was just driving my hair. I've been thinking about you. Said, wow. Thank you, Lord. I mean, it wasn't about his visit. The Lord was reminding me of this word, Acceleration. God wants to, you see what I'm saying? God speaks. If we'll listen, He's talking to us. That's what I'm trying to get to you. I'm giving you examples of how God reveals stuff to you, how God tries to remind you of things that He's doing, things He's saying to you. He tries to bring them back to your memory. He sends a guy who's probably driven by here 180 times and didn't stop and just decided to stop this week. That was God and didn't talk about anything in particular, just chit chatted. It was the Lord. Amen. Isn't that the Lord? Let's look down here uh, at John 14:27 through30. Uh, it says, "Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives you, do I give do I give you? Listen to this: Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid." Now he's saying, this, this is the same chapter, a few verses later. He's saying that again, "Don't let your heart be troubled, but then he adds something else, don't let it be afraid. Okay, and the reason he's saying that, because there's situations and there's circumstances that are coming your way that's going to cause you to be tempted to be troubled, and it's going to cause you to be tempted to be scared. Now, that's Jesus talking here. It's not just somebody putting stuff in there. Then he says, You have heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice, because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I am. And now Now, this is the verse. And now I have told you before it comes that when it comes to pass, you may believe. I've told you before it comes. i told you before it comes. i told you I'm bringing a spirit of acceleration before it comes so when it happens, you're going to know so you can have some faith. I told you something, and it happened. Has God ever did that in your life? Has ever spoken to something to you and said, and and then it happened, and then you were so not headed and dumb like me that he had to remind you, "I told you that eighteen months ago, Byron." Didn't you remember that message you was listening to? Have anybody ever had that happen to you? Well, this is how Jesus says about the future. Jesus tells us stuff about the future, not that we can run around and gather stuff together to be ready for the future. He tells us that so we can have faith when the future happens. Okay? That's really what... That's why, you know, and, and people get messed up when they hear bad prophecies. Not bad, but prophecies about bad things happening. Because they begin to go and, and gather to themselves or, you know, do things like that, which is really not even in the Bible anywhere. It's not in the Bible to do that. In fact, in the Bible, one time there was a prophecy that some bad things were going to happen, and you know what they did? Oh, There's going to be a famine all over the world. Famine. This is Agabus prophesied this. It's at Acts eight or somewhere like that. Y'all remember that? What did everybody do? Hey, let's take up an offering and give it to the people in Jerusalem. <laughs> That's what they did. You know what Americans do when they hear bad things? Let's go out and get as much water and food and guns and money. Let's stockpile everything so we'll be okay. I'm not going to try to go too far on that. But but that ain't really what the Bible tells us to do. I mean, there may be a time to get water. I mean, God may say, you know, get you a couple gallons of water. But if our heart about the future is that, stockpiling, we're in trouble. We're in big trouble. Jesus said, let, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's a, it's people that are scared of doing stuff like that. And then that he said, don't be. Because he wants to give you inner peace and inner health and inner wisdom. And that's, that's what he wants to release now to us. Okay, inner peace, inner health, and inner wisdom. Because we're going to need it for what's going to be happening in in our future. We're gonna we need God. That's see, the Holy Spirit doesn't pour out for us just to have a good church service. And I'm gonna need to be real careful how I say this. He don't just pour out just so people can get saved. Although he wants to save people, but he wants to save nations people so when he when the Lord does something he's serious about what he's doing and he has there's a lot more to it the first great awakening the results of the first great awakening was some men said we need to be an independent nation and we're going to have to go to war to do that that happened because of a revival the second great awakening some men said slavery is evil we don't want slavery in this country anymore. There was a civil war that happened in our nation. Okay? There was a, a revival at the turn of the century, and, and, and not very long after, there was what they call World War I. And then there was another revival in the 30s and 40s, and then there was another thing called World War II. Back in the 60s and 70s, there was a thing called the Vietnam War. The Korean War was in the 50s during the latter rain. He said, you see, if you study history, when God begins to move, things happen. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? This ain't an exciting message to y'all for some reason. All right, let me read this, Matthew 24, 6 through 8. Because I'm thinking, Lord, what in the world? Here, this is is conflict in my mind because uh, last week, Dean Stein got up here and talked about our Father's house, Vision. Okay, (laughs) thank you. Oh, we're talking about doing that, and I believe the United States is fixing to go through some serious difficulties. (laughs) In the natural, it doesn't make sense, does it? In the natural realm, it doesn't make sense to do things like that when your nation is fixing to go through a shaking. But in the spiritual realm, that's what they did in the Bible. All right, let's read this Matthew 24, 6 through 8. Are you all okay? Okay. He said, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. This is is it, baby. See that you are not troubled. There he goes again telling us about being troubled. Sometimes we get so consumed with our little troubles and our little lives and we don't realize there's something much greater at stake going on around us. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, Jesus is saying they're going to have to come to pass. He's not saying it's an option. Some of these things are just not optional. Some things we can get a get around, I think, through prayer and repentance, but not everything. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginnings of sorrow. Okay, and then let's look at Luke twenty one twenty eight. Now when these things begin to happen, look up same same talk but Luke's But Matthew didn't have this in his. Speaking of the things in Matthew, when all these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your head because your redemption draws near. That's that's what Jesus is communicating. So have y'all noticed in the United States right now that we do not have the church I'm talking about. We have no voice right now nationally. Have y'all noticed that? There's no national voice from the church that has any authority whatsoever. In fact, we were talking about that last night. You got James Dobson recommending one person for president. You got uh, the guy, uh, Pat Robertson recommending somebody else. You got this group. You know, so there's this. In years past, there's been a voice. Maybe we didn't always agree with the voice. You know, the Christian Coalition and all those kinds of things. We may not have always agree it, but God had given authority to certain people to speak, okay? And if you notice now, no one has any authority because God hasn't given the church any authority. We don't have any authority in our nation right now, the, the body of Christ, to speak to what's going on. We really don't. You know, the one guy who had to talked to President Bush every week, Ted Haggard, you know, he failed. You know, he just failed. Moral failure t- took him out. I don't know how much authority he had, to Help direct the affairs of this nation, but right now we don 't have that the church doesn 't have that, and only God can give us that. we can't rise up and take that because only God gives authority. You know he was talking about one of the candidates uh Becky was saying he has no authority in what he 's saying. mary said that guy that's ridiculous what he was saying. I heard uh, Ronald Reagan in the 80s say ridiculous things, but when he said them, he said them with authority, and you believed them, even though they sounded, you know, in the natural. This guy, had, this guy has no authority. So what he says, ridiculous, it's just ridiculous because there's no authority sitting on him. And he's, you know, I think he's a believer. I'm not sure. You know, even Bob Jones said recently, from the prophetic world, there's no clear trumpet call coming right now from the prophetic world. There's nothing clear coming. You know, there's just these mixed sounds coming out of the church from, the event. you know, James Kennedy, you know, whether you agree with this guy or not, he was a voice at one time in our nation. He's dead now. You know, James Robinson was a voice at one time. He's not a voice now. You know, Pat Robinson, he's not a voice. He's, uh, I love the guy focused on the family. He is not a national voice anymore. His authority has been taken away from him. We should be concerned about it. Josh McDowell, these guys heard him at a school, or a private school thing, say, "Here's a father in the movement of young people, of all people. You think, and this spiritual father is going to have some answers for the young people in our nation? Tell me what they are. I don't have any answers. That's Josh. I don't. I don't have an answer. I don't know what to do." That's that's some, some difficult times. That was Acts 11, by the way. I said Acts 8 about the the famine. Not not Acts 8. Anyways, I wanted to tell you about this. Um, I, the Lord spoke to me, okay, and I didn't really like. To hear, I didn't want to hear what he had to say. But this is what he said to me. I was listening it was another see, I'm just saying, God speaks, I right? I heard this message in May of last of two thousand six where this guy said this accelerating spirit was coming. Okay, well I was listening to this man named Lance Walno Walno. I never heard of Walnut. <laughs> He's like a Christian businessman. I was listening to this, somebody gave me this C D and they were telling Actually, they were saying something. This, this is some good strategy for Lee Park on here. That's what they said. I still ain't figured out that Lee Park strategy yet, but I did to hear the Lord speak to me in this message. You know how you can, everybody can hear different things, but God spoke to me through this message. And this is what he spoke to This guy told this story. Okay, And the, and the story is about 9 11. And the story was in one of those towers, there was a window washer and five high level business executives on an elevator. And of course, the elevator got jammed. The business executives, who were high level people, supposedly great leaders and thinkers, you know, they were just undone about the situation. But the window washer was a believer. The window washer figured out how to get that elevator open, how to get them people out of that elevator and get them out the door as the the building collapsed. And his point was who was the leader in that situation? You know, five minutes before, that window washer was a nobody-nothing. Okay? That's what he was, a nobody-nothing with these high-level men who probably were making massive monies and making big decisions and, you know, hot sh- movers and shakers in the financial world. But the moment of crisis, this man rose up and knew what to do. This lowly window washer, nobody who probably was barely making ends meet and wondering if he was going to have enough money to feed his family <coughs> and having to wash windows on buildings wishing he didn't have to. <laughs> Unless he was an American Indian who liked to get real high. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to, I don't want to repeat anything. I can't repeat it. So what I did is I took what he said, what really spoke to me, spoke to my heart, and I put it up here. I, I want to read it to you. Okay? This is what this man was saying, and this is what I heard. This is what I heard God saying to me. Okay, I heard God speaking to me through this. Uh, The rest of his message was really great, but I didn't hear. You know, it was good teaching. It was good instruction. Okay, but it wasn't like God was speaking the rest of his message to my heart. I need to probably go back and listen to the rest of it. He said in a crisis, in an earthquake, a tsunami, etc. The first business of spiritual leadership is to define the empowering meaning in what is happening. That's the first business. What is happening? Why is this happening? Okay? People's emotions and feelings are all over the place. Leadership has to gather people together. The earth is convulsing as the kingdom is coming. The earth is convulsing as the kingdom is coming. That is the empowering meaning you must never forget, lest you, you keep praying to stop things that Jesus said must come. All right, let's stop right there. Jesus said there were going to be pestilence, famines, earthquakes, rumors, and wars, and that is a sign of the kingdom of God coming to the earth. And that the church needs to wake up and realize this is the thing, and we can't necessarily try to stop those things. Okay? We've got to wake up and realize that's a part of the age we are in. And that's a, there's a shaking going on in the earth because the kingdom of God is coming into the earth around and there's a clash between the natural world and the spiritual world. And there's, that's where the rumblings come. That's where people get mad and want to kill each other. And that's where water dries up. Instead of it raining, it quits raining in places. What's happening here is from God. He's trying to speak to us. That's why I keep saying, tell me what I'm supposed to do about the drought, Lord. Tell me what I'm supposed to do. Am I supposed to pray it would rain? I want it to. But what if you're saying, Byron, you're praying against something I want to happen because I'm wanting to release my kingdom and my kingdom is more important than it raining. And I can take care of you in a drought if you'll let me. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that's how we need to start thinking. Are y'all with me so far? I know this is not the most pleasant one. All right. Yeah, in a room full of questions, the person in the room with the answer is always the leader and can take over. In a room full of questions. In that elevator, guess who was the leader? It wasn't the guy who made the million-dollar deals the day before. I and mean, that had a, you know, lived on the... He had three houses and three million dollars in the bank. He was going off for the weekend. It was the lowly wit- window washer who couldn't pay. His, was hoping he was going to be able to make his bills that month. He was the leader. He got those guys out. Okay. He took over. Denny, he, he, the guy said, "Your light will shine." Meaning Isaiah six. What's that? Isaiah sixty three. Deep darkness will cover the earth. Isaiah sixty. The glory of the Lord. Now listen, this is where... When I was sitting here just listening to this thing, working out, and then he said these words, we must prepare for further shakings. So what? When he said that, it was like the Lord was saying, it was like, oh, I need to hit the pause button, just like I hit the pause button that day when I heard that Graham Cook say, a quickening spirit is being released to accelerate us. I need to stop and ask the Lord oh, I don't want to ask for the shakings, Lord. It was better to ask for the quick, for the acceleration. I like the acceleration. I don't want shakings. But I had to stop the message and say, I just heard God speak to my heart. Now, that's what I'm telling you. I just heard God speak to my heart. We must prepare for further shakings in our nation. Okay? I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't want to say that. I don't want to even think that. Then he says, we must prepare to lead. In the moment of crisis, God levels the field. And people who know what to do are in a position to take over. Now listen to this. I want you to listen to that last phrase. That is how God is going to touch America. That's how God's going to touch America. In the moment of crisis, in the elevator, when nobody knows what to do and your life is at stake, and you think you're going to die, God wants somebody in that elevator to say, hmm, yo, holy ghost, I've got an answer! I know a way out! Because something inside of me, that's something that I've learned to hear. And when the chips are down, I can hear Him. Because when the chips is up, up, I let him teach me how to hear him. When the chips were up, I laid myself down before him and said, "Do what you need to do and need to fix me." Do what you need to do and need to fix me right now, Lord. Why are things going good? The soul, listen to this, the soul not reacting to the circumstances, but resourceful and yielding itself to finding solutions that got him to where they had to go. In other words, something has to happen to us. All right, now this is really important. That's why the recent wave of inner healing is so important. You know, that's why the recent wave of inner healing, deliverance, so Zoe, it's so important to increase our capacity to handle situations oh, do you hear what I'm saying God wants to increase our capacity to handle situations he don't want us to say well we're going to go soak up here because it's a fun thing to do and it's good and blah blah no I'm doing something bigger than you don't even know about yet. And now he's starting to talk about it, to me anyway. I hope he's talking about it to you. He has to remove the trigger re- reactions in us that we've had our whole life. Trigger reactions are things that where the enemy can touch you and get to you because there's things in your heart that shouldn't be there. And that's what the Lord wants to do. We must prepare ourselves for further shaking. This is the end of it. In the moment of crisis, the people who know what to do, that is how God wants to use us in the crisis. Okay? Now, remember, Jesus said, I've told you these things beforehand so that you believe. Okay? God is trying to talk to this nation, and in particular, he's trying to talk to the Christians in this nation. And God wants to pour his spirit out on the church. He wants to pour his spirit out on the people of God. And the church has around debates about it. And you, you you say certain words of the church, manifestations of the Holy Spirit. So you know, people get all in a roar about that when God's saying, Y'all ain't hearing what I'm saying to you. This is not about something that's just just, just some you know colored or carpet thing in the church or how a style in the church. I'm trying to get you ready for something. Because there's shakings coming to your nation. There's shakings coming to our nation. We have a little shake right now in this region. It's called drought. It's God saying, I'm trying to talk to y'all! Listen to me! This is not a game! Because you may be the guy on the elevator and the building's collapsing. And if your heart hasn't been touched by the Holy Spirit if your heart hasn't been healed if your heart hasn't been delivered you're going to be like those business guys scratching the walls wishing you weren't going to die and we shouldn't be that we should be the leaders in that moment we can't even get along with each other 30 minutes when things are going good you know what I'm saying and I think that's really what the Lord wants to say to us that's what he's saying to me, and I'm just saying it to you because he's saying it to me, and I don't have anything else to say to you. <laughs> you know? I'm saying, God is talking, and he's saying further shakings are coming. What are you going to do right now to prepare for it? You know, what are you going to do right now to prepare for it? And I think that's the question we have to answer as a church and as individuals.